0: Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean and this is the podcast where we discuss equine research and try and make it accessible to equine owners, enthusiasts and anyone that has an interest in horses. With every topic we discuss we do recommend that you seek professional advice before you try and implement any strategies or any techniques. This week we are looking at a paper and it's called The Effect of Goldfish on Water Quality in Horse Stock Tanks. And this is by D.N. Catalano et al. And it was really just an interesting kind of novel topic for us to look into this week because it's not something I've ever heard of before, but using goldfish as a method to keep water tanks clean And there was very little information on this, but it is something that is being done in certain parts of America and outside America as well. So these um, researchers, I believe it was the university in Minnesota. I'm not sure. Can you remember that, Nancy?
1: Yes, it was. So these
0: they had a lot of requests, I think, into that university about using goldfish for horse tanks. And they thought, where is this coming from?
1: Yeah, they did it um, during the kind of warmer months of the year because Minnesota's in the north, in the northern section of the United States, and it was done through June through October. And um, they had had a lot of um, requests for methods to keep water tanks clean, so they opted to try this out. And what they did was they had.
0: Basically, they did an experimental study. So they had, was it six horses, six adult horses, and they put goldfish in some tanks and then some tanks didn't have goldfish. So they were able to use that as a control and see if it made a difference. And they had five goldfish per tank. And then they measured what the daily readings were of the total dissolved dissolved solids and also looked... At things like water turbidity and took weekly chlorophyll samples too and also just kind of checking the overall um, quality of the water so were there any odors you know was the color affected things like that and it was a really interesting topic to look into because they also asked owners and sent out a survey to find out you know who uses goldfish and um, what was their reasoning behind it? Has it been successful for them and things like that? And it did overall determine that goldfish don't have enough of an, you know, of a difference to warrant using them. They did find that the tanks that had the goldfish in it has a slightly lower amount of total dissolved solids, but not. It's not huge, you know. It's I think it was only like five in the difference, so nothing massively significant, Um, and therefore they actually recommend cleaning it more, but some of the statistics that came out of this were just brilliant.
1: Yeah, I was really amazed that they used plastic stock tanks that were 379 liters, so that would be 100-gallon tanks. They used plastic and metal, and I was a little bit surprised that the plastic uh, resulted in a lower total dissolved solids uh, amount on average. I would think the metal would be less, but it was actually the plastic um, did better in that plastic is normally black and these were black tanks and i have that same stock tank and um, the only thing different between plastic and metal was the uh, tds or the total dissolved solids but it was also um, as the plastic aged the surface got rougher so people have to be very cautious to make sure when you're cleaning these plastic tanks you really scrub in those uh, roughed out areas, because that's where algae and uh, some of the solids were accumulating.
0: Um, What was interesting as well to note, and this is something that we have a problem with in the UK and Ireland to do with like dogs, mostly we would see it in, is that that algae can bloom. And some of these algae blooms can actually turn the water toxic. Um, And they pose serious health risks to livestock and to pets. So we would see that poisoning sometimes in dogs that would go swimming in like stagnant lakes. So that's why it really fascinated me. I think the number one statistic that stood out to me that just absolutely blew my mind was that 12% of the respondents only cleaned their tank or never cleaned their tank. That was it. They never cleaned any of the horse tanks and that just blew my mind like for years and years they've been using the same ones and haven't had luckily toxicity with them but you know some people in the survey were cleaning their tanks twice a week
1: Mm -hmm. I definitely clean mine twice a week um You know, it it may be even in the summer, I clean more often because that's when you're going to get your algae growth is when, you know, the water temperature, the sunlight, um, that's prime conditions to promote algae growth. So, um, you know, horses should be drinking 10 to 15 gallons of water a day. And what's going to help them want to drink is to have you know, good, uh, odorless, uh, good color, a good temperature water, um, that they're attracted to that they want to drink. And then horses that are on a hay diet, they may, may even need to drink more horses that are on pasture normally will drink a little less. So I think one of the main things of horse management is, supply them good clean water and as much as they need or want. And uh, one other takeaway that I wanted to mention is air temperature versus water temperature. And in August in Minnesota, it can get quite warm. And I was really surprised how that um, air temperature and water temperature kind of stayed close together in the graph. So it wasn't like Uh, stagnant water in the tanks got extremely warm. It was always lower than the air temperature until the month of October. And I've always read in, you know, one article, not necessarily research papers, but in horse um, management articles that horses prefer lukewarm water to cold water or uh, hot water, so it look lo- looks like that when a water trough is out in conditions, that water kind of always stays in a lukewarm uh, type of temperature.
0: And they said that as well between the um, two types of tanks. So even though the plastic tanks were black, they and normally that would absorb more heat as a color they didn't see that mm-hmm. increase in temperature compared to the metal ones, which is good to know. So just because you've got the black plastic tanks, it doesn't mean that the water is at any more risk.
1: Yeah. And I was so surprised that, um, you know, in the winter, it's different because you usually put a uh, stock tank heater in, you know, to help keep, the water from freezing but this was from June through October and I've assumed plastic and being black plastic it would just absorb the sun and heat that water up but that's not what they found so I was happy to see that.
0: I think as well what was worth noting and would be really interesting to carry out researching because I think this paper is fairly new it's I think 2017 But they did say that respondents to the survey had mentioned that where they used goldfish or any fish, they may not have noticed a difference in algae, but they felt the fish were effective at controlling insect eggs and larvae. And they did note that in the tanks they used, there was a noticeable amount of mosquito and bloodworm eggs and larvae and adults on the surface and the bottom of the tanks that did not contain the goldfish. Whereas in comparison, there was no evidence of insects at all in the tanks that contained the goldfish. So they might be useful from that point of view.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't know if I would ever use goldfish just because it's something else I would be taking care of because the death rate on these fish were so high, like 93%. So they put five goldfish in the gold, you know, the tank that, you know, they wanted them in and they ended up, they had a total of 183 inch to inch and a half. Goldfish, and they ended up using all of them in the five month period except for 12. So they went through 171 goldfish, which is about 36 goldfish a month. And I just question whether they maybe didn't have enough to eat because they weren't feeding these fish, they were just letting them live off the algae. But it would, I don't know if you could um, advocate feeding them in a horse tank. You know, that would be adding TDS to your tank. So I'm not quite certain about that. That would seem to me to be losing an awful amount of fish, you know. So, um, but in light of that, I do use a strainer, a plastic kitchen strainer, or you could use a Fish net um, that you use for your fish aquariums, and you can filter that water. So, when you're trying to get the mayflies, which mayflies have been connected to Potomac horse fever in um, our area of the United States, and you know, I just go through and I skim the debris from the bottom, just like you're skimming a swimming pool, and that helps to reduce a horse ingesting insects and larvae, and uh, particularly the mayflies that end up, you know, floating on the top of your water, especially in the hot summer months.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I think just a good cleaning routine. And doing that extra screening for insects is really just the best way to go about this. And they didn't have research for saying, you know, what is the best way to clean the tanks. So, Obviously, more research needs to be done, and that might sound pedantic to some people, but you'd be surprised like how bad we can be at cleaning things in general. You think you've hit all the surfaces, and you really haven't. Um, but I think like definitely this this one piece of information that was in the research just gave me so much entertainment. Did you see where they said you know some people use different species of fish other than goldfish?
1: Yeah, so some use cats I I to like, meet how big
0: is their tank?
1: I was just like that's pretty slimy fish too. I'm thinking about the slime. I was thinking about the size. <laughs> yeah, that too. And that, you know, I'm just I just something about this doesn't appeal to me, but um you know, one thing is they had the hundred gallon tank they would let it get down to 50 gallons and then they would refill it so um maybe that fish death rate was all the new chlorination and ammonia that's in the water from because This might have been city water. I don't know. Do you remember if they said city or well water, Kate? I think it was city water. I think it was city.
0: I don't remember seeing that it was well.
1: Yeah, I think that would make a difference because anybody who's done any fish keeping, you know, you just don't add water to your fish tank without putting those special drops in that kind of help um, dissolve the chemicals that aren't good for fish but um anyway I thought well I kind of do this in the summer I have a hundred gallon stock tank I only fill it to where I think they're gonna need it um, to drink and it might have enough where there's an inch or two at at the bottom at the end of the day and then I scrub it and dump it ready to refill for the next day now i will fill it all the way to the top if i'm not going to be able to monitor that there's water in the tank all the time so if i have to go somewhere or i'm out of town. I want that tank filled to the top. But one good thing about having a tank versus an automatic waterer is you can monitor how much your horses are drinking. And I think if you give your horses the forage they need, the movement, the um, having buddies and social interactions, and then all the water they need to drink, I think you have a mentally happy horse.
0: And I think there is so much more research that they can really look into in this area and just see you know we look at so many different aspects and how it affects performance and really monitoring water intake would be an interesting one to look into and how much like the performance horse needs
1: yeah because it increases with uh, air temperature it increases with what they're eating you know hay requires more water You know, for them to drink, it makes them thirstier if they're on electrolytes. I mean, and sometimes in the winter, a horse might not want to drink as much, but they're on a totally hay diet for forage. So you've got to be able to attract them to want to drink more water. And I think that's giving them um, temperature water that's maybe lukewarm temperature and then also feeding a little bit of electrolytes on a daily basis um, to get them to want to drink more yeah exactly I mean that works so far it's worked for me I don't have a problem with my horses never not drinking water you know but um, it also with my five the one who drinks the most water is the biggest one. The 17 hand horse drinks by far more than, than the smaller horses. And that would make sense because they measure the amount of water a horse needs by one, you know, I think a gallon for every 100 pounds. So um, that would be, you know, make sense that she would drink more than the others do.
0: And that's a good rule of thumb to go on as well. If you're trying to decide, you know, what tank size to get and, you know, lots of people do use buckets and they mentioned that in the research too, you know, especially with semi-feral horses, they would prefer to drink out of a bucket versus a semi-automatic water tank. But, you it's knowing if you are providing enough, and I know most people would you know realize if they're you know emptying the bucket that maybe we need to fill it up more often, but anyone that is looking to get a new tank or upgrade or change the system they have, it's just a good rule of thumb to run with for leisure size,
1: yeah, and the one point I wanted to make sure we mentioned is they took these stock tanks and they placed them three meters apart and they let the horse choose whether they wanted to drink out of the one with the fish in it or the one without the fish and it really made no difference there was no preference so if it was me I would drink the one without the fish (laughs) but the horses didn't they chose it did not matter they they chose both equally so
0: perfect I think that's I think that sums up everything that was in that paper. It was such an interesting one.
1: It was different. That's for sure. I never, ever thought about putting never. fish in my, in my tank before, you know. So, but definitely kind of surprising some of the results. I think the biggest surprise was that even they did not clean these tanks for 28 days and it never surpassed. The total dissolved solid uh, safe zone, and that safe zone was like a thousand to three thousand milligram per liter, or that's our ppm. Either way, you can say it; they're equal. And I thought, now that's interesting—that you know, no cleaning either one with fish, without fish, it never exceeded that safe zone. So yeah,
0: I remember actually raising that because. They were saying even if it does go above that safe zone, um, there you know the odd animal might have temporary diarrhea, but most animals, if that is their everyday environment, they'll actually become accustomed to it. It's just when it starts to go above the three thousand value, that's where you see that they're you know going to have a negative effect on the water intake. And then anything that's above 7,000 shouldn't be offered. But you can get your water tested. And I don't know if it's just in pet shops you can pick up those strips. I wonder if they would just work the same because you can pick them up for like fish tanks and things like that.
1: Yeah, and now here in the United States, you can go to your community um, water Um, website and get what the most current readings are. And it might not be for that day, but it will be like the past six months. And you'll be able to see the chlorine, the fluorine, the turbidity rating and all that. Now, if you're on well water, I would recommend taking a sample into a lab because you definitely want to make sure you don't have too much iron in your water. That's a little bit different because you're getting um, kind of like uh, groundwater as well. So. I think at that point, you do need to have a lab analyze your your water that you're um, exposing your horses to. But if you're on City Water, you can just access your um, City Water website. And they keep it updated pretty good. I checked mine this morning just to see what the turbidity rating was and all that. And um, it's kind of interesting just to keep tabs on that. Perfect.
0: So if anyone is interested, I'm sure you can do it. In other countries too then just look up what the water quality is for your area yep
1: yep and then we have before we end today we have a few shout outs don't yes
0: so we had um a equine behaviorist actually send us a message on instagram which was really lovely and she was interested in she listens to the podcast but was interested particularly in that um, episode we did on the equine performance behavior. And her name is Jenny Nellist and she's a UK clinical animal behaviorist and she does equine things too. So you can find her on Instagram. It's Jenny, J-E-N-N-I, Nellist, N-E-L-L-I-S-T. And then it's underscore equine behavior. But even if you just type her name into Google, you'll be able to find her, Jenny Nellist. Um, she has a YouTube video up that actually explains um, some equine behavior bits too. It's really, really fascinating. So highly recommend you give her page a look. And then we also had a request for some research, which is super exciting. So for the research, we had a lovely message saying, Hello, ladies. Wondered if you'd come across any research papers recently discussing the use of treadmills or water treadmills in equine rehab, conditioning for fitness. So perhaps how they compare to hot walkers and if there's any negative impacts. And that is something that we are going to look up and cover in next week's episode
1: sounds great that's going to be really interesting perfect and if anyone
0: else has any other recommendations or even if you just want to pop onto the facebook page or the instagram page and say hi and me and nancy just love getting messages
1: okay well thanks everyone for joining in kate thanks for joining with me and we'll see you guys next thanks, week Thanks,
0: take care